Hello again and welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded. Adrian from the team here and our CEO Renault's back with me. Hi Renault. Hey. Hi Adrian. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's a heat wave here in the UK, uh, which is something we don't mm. normally associate with the UK. But uh, I mean, it is summer. I'm not going to complain too much. How are you doing over there in France? Uh, not too bad. Uh, it's my last few days as we're recording the podcast. I'll be in a flight in a flight to Hong Kong in uh, in three days. Mm. In three days. Yeah, but it's um, July was crazy with heat waves yeah and it's very very dry anyway i think everybody's aware of that now yeah it's been all over the news yeah absolutely but uh a, a good trip for you because you've been you've been all over the place starting in india and then making your way through to europe and uh yeah so right. back back to asia soon yeah back to asia yes and back in um in in uh, in quarantine you know hotel quarantine yeah so, because yeah. It's, it's changing right it changed just a few days ago, like earlier mm. this week. So, uh, you, let me see. Last year, it was 21 days for people coming from a number of countries like France, UK, and so on. Mm-hmm. Then they moved it down to seven days. I forget when, maybe four months ago or six months ago. Yeah. And there's been increasing pressure. And just this week, they said, okay, it's going to be three days. Now, three days doesn't mean you do your three days and you're completely free after that. Mm. But if you're a resident, you do three days in a hotel of your choice. And then for the next four days, I believe, your QR code will be yellow or amber. So they, they are adopting the same system as in China mm. with uh, the three color codes and the, yeah, the QR code on, on, on the app. And um, that means for the next four days, you cannot go to a restaurant. You cannot go to a certain number of things. However, you can go to offices. So this is, okay, it's better than having to stay in a hotel, right? You can take mm. the food away, uh, eat your sandwich somewhere alone and... Um, and, and you can go to, to to working environments, right? Your company's office, to your whatever, your accountant, your bank, and so on. Mm. It it it's allowed with the mask on, obviously. So it's better than having to do the full seven days in a hotel. And obviously, you have to come back for testing and so on. And so on. now, people might think, oh, that's great um, to go to China because. Uh, more and more people actually fly into Hong Kong, do the quarantine in, in Hong Kong, and then go to China and do the quarantine on the China side. Yeah. Simply because, as, as you probably know, I think you, we mentioned that before, is um, the, the, there are not that many flights direct to China, even though it's slightly increasing, but they had a ban until a few days ago. They had a ban. Like I think from the UK, you could not fly direct to China at all, right? And um, they just changed that, um, but but still, even though it's slightly relaxing, there's very few direct flights to China, mm. and some people have had to pay ten thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars. I mean, crazy amounts of money to get on one of these flights because there's really not that many, right? Yeah, but and that's uh, and that's just one way as well. By the way, oftentimes. Uh, yeah. Right, right. So a lot of people pr- prefer taking the, um, you know, 
one-way $500 flight to Hong Kong because there's still a lot of flights going to Hong Kong yep. rather than the, the, the $10,000 flight to China and they spend more time in, uh, in quarantine. Now, for them, it's not going to change much uh, because I don't think they can do three days in Hong Kong in, in a hotel and then right away go and cross the, the border to Shenzhen. I, I don't think it's that easy for them because of the mm-hmm. remaining four days. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I haven't talked to people who um, who have done that recently, so I don't really know. Maybe mm-hmm. they have to, I don't know. They do not have a place to stay in Hong Kong anyway. Maybe they, they still book the hotel for seven days. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it works. But it's an interesting movement in in the procedures because maybe where Hong Kong goes, China's eventually going to follow because it makes sense that they both get into a kind of similar rhythm because the whole point is that the Hong Kong government, my understanding is that they want people in Hong Kong to have access to China, but obviously mm-hmm. they're trying to work within the rules at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure who follows whom. I mean, it, it seems like Hong Kong had to follow China uh, for the most part last year. So mm. I don't know if uh, Hong Kong is going to lead China anywhere. Um, talking about mainland China, things are... Very much the same. Uh, slightly easier to get a working visa from what I heard um, yeah. since what, one month ago. Um, a few things have slightly eased up, but mm. just today um, we were looking at the news before recording this and there's a um, this sort of a lockdown in Yiwu, which yeah. is in, uh, in Zhejiang province, a little bit south of Shanghai, where a lot of, how to say Cheap products are made and, and uh, sold even wholesale. So uh, there's a certain category of buyers who, yeah. who go to EWU. But there's also some other industries that are simply, you know, concentrated in EWU, um, like the, you know, seamless garments, for example. Uh, and, you know, and the, 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 what is it? The socks are in Juji, not very mm. far away. I mean, the, all that kind of, um, kind of, Textile products that are all, you know, um, how to say, knitted together uh, nearly exclusively by machine. Yeah, there's a lot of that over there, and 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 that's not just the cheapest ones. There's some um, some some others a little bit higher up in you know in the in the value chain. So it's not just hitting the very cheap, uh, very cheap products, very cheap buyers. It's hitting a little bit everybody, I guess. Um, usually non-technical products, I would say, right? Mm. Not very advanced products. But they it's funny because they say, and I'm, I'm reading uh, Reuters, and they say that Yiwu, oh, let me see, they say it on Thursday, so it's already been, no, it's today, I think, yes, that it would enter three days of silent management with most of its residents banned from leaving designated areas and some, and some confined to their homes. Hmm. Silent management means what? Like, uh, don't be like people in Shanghai. Just uh, just shut up. <laughs> yeah. Know, well, I think so, I think they're trying to do things in a bubble, right? I think some people are still yeah. going to work, but they're not going to places like restaurants and things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, let's see where it's going. But hmm. the risk is still there in China. Things have relaxed. It's already August, right? The Congress, the big political Congress, is in November. Um, yeah, they will squash the, 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 you know, the virus wherever there's a, 
there's a mini outbreak. It's pretty clear now. Um, mm. The the holiday uh, resorts in uh, Hainan province, that's the island all the way to the south of China, also mostly um, in isolation. People cannot really fly back from what I understand. They have to do a quarantine before coming back because there was an outbreak there. So, mm. yeah. So not hitting any, let's say, major manufacturing hub, uh, even though you in, you know, by, by volume is, is, is not a minor hub, I would say. But um, it's, if it's just confined to Yiwu and if they say it's just three days, well, um, no major, major impact. However, we've seen a number of emails from Chinese suppliers saying, oh, um, yeah, we are late because, um, because of the, 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 the special restrictions from the government, you know, and in many cases, I'm sure that's, um, that's not true. They just use it as an excuse mm. uh, because foreign buyers have a very hard time actually checking what, what happens. And then, um, and they also say that the, um, the, 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 the military um, activities along the Eastern border um, after the very, uh, the, 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 I would say, highly politicized uh, visits, of mm. uh, Mrs. Pelosi, uh, they, they say that this has disturbed international trade, this has disturbed um, uh, cargo ships, and that's true, uh, not much, but yeah, there have been some small delays because of that. Yeah, they um, rerouted a bit, didn't they? Some of them mm, mm, rerouted, and yeah, yeah, mm. they, um, they arrived a bit later, and, and, and so on and so mm. forth. So there are things happening. It's not all smooth sailing, but hey, compared with <laughs> what, um, let me remember, March in South China and compared with April, May around Shanghai, I mean, this is this is pretty good. This is pretty yeah, good. yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I, I definitely don't think we'll see a lot of uh, big changes that could really upset the apple cart before the party conference as you mentioned in mm. october november so november uh, mm-hmm. yeah so i mean after that would probably be more logically the time when they might try and relax things a bit especially with chinese new year coming as well i suppose but that being said I've, i'm definitely seeing more business travel to china now so i think more people are accessing it but yeah just because the quarantine in hong Kong's getting a bit shorter let's not get too excited about mainland china just yet Right, right. Agreed. Agreed, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So today's topic is how to optimize your QC inspections and get better results. To begin with, could you explain, please, why this is something that a business might be seeking to do if they're already performing inspections? Why would they seek to optimize them? <laughs> well, if you do, let's say this 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 episode is not really going to be very interesting to this the company that doesn't do many inspections or right. does some inspections on a very wide range of products. So they they never really have time to go deep into one uh, one product category. Okay, this is more for companies that do a lot of inspections on the same kind of product. So it can be a manufacturing company that does a lot of incoming QC kind of work, right? They might have um, 
three people doing that full time every day, all day long, and they might be a bit specialized, and one of them might be doing that on uh, you know on one or two categories of, of components all day long. Well, can it be optimized? Yes, usually yes. And same thing for uh, importers. If you send people to your suppliers' factories and they check the quality of the the, the, the finished product, so they check quality of the the, the um, uh, you know during process during production or or they check the the component quality and so on. Okay, if you do that often, sort of over and over or on the same types of products. Mm. You gotta sit down and think, you know, how to um, how to make it better because it's always a trade-off, and that's the key. Because in most cases, it's not like you have unlimited resources. You have a batch of whatever, ten thousand pieces, and you're gonna pick two hundred pieces to check them. You know, so first you do random inspection, probably rather than full inspections. Uh, in most cases, right? So. Why always do level two? Why not level one? Why not, you know, a different, a different level, a different severity, a different whatever, right? Mm. There's, there's nothing in the standard that says that it should always be the same. Actually, you should work based on data to uh, to decide where you need to, to go more in depth and where you maybe don't need to go in depth, right? The standard even gives you some uh, some rules for switching from one severity to the other. So it means that well-performing suppliers will tend to um, to be inspected by checking fewer samples, right? So the inspection will be faster. And uh, the, the, the suppliers that often have failures, it's going to be the opposite. More samples checked, which makes sense, right? But they provide rules for that. And um, mm. there are even um, rules for switching, it's ISO 2859-I forget dash four, I guess. You can um, how do I say? You, you can see again the, the suppliers that are performing well for a certain product. It's always relative to to a certain product. Don't need to be inspected every single time. You can keep sort of an element of uh, surprise. Maybe they don't know which batch will be checked, but do you really need to check every batch? Maybe not, right? And there's a there's a bunch of ways to to make changes. Here, I'm just talking about sampling, but there's other ways to do that. And um, I'm talking about sampling because really people have to understand it's a trade-off. Do you just blindly apply the same rules everywhere on every kind of product, every supplier, uh, every size of the order, every value of the products, you know, or do you put more of your resources where they are more needed? Well, obviously the answer is, you want to put more resources where they're more needed and mm. and, and um, spend less time, less manpower and so on, where it's less needed, right? Less needed, meaning the risk is lower, maybe the, the commercial implications if things go wrong are lower, maybe the, yeah, there's less money at stake, uh, there's, there's a good track record of the supplier making this product, um, there's no, how to say, p- potential safety implications also. Uh, maybe it's a more simple product, right? So maybe you, you don't need to go every time. You don't need to, to, um, to check the same um, uh, 
level, I don't want to say proportion, but um, you don't want to follow level two, let's say, for them, as well as for your more complex products, your bigger orders, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. of course, you want to, um, to, to, to think about it. Spend your resources wisely, basically. Right. And I'm thinking this this could also be quite a useful cost saving exercise. You know, uh, as you mentioned, for companies who are doing a lot of inspections, this might be a way to reduce some of the costs, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. So you can say that you keep the resources untouched. And in that case, um, you want to have better results, right? You want to focus more uh, on, on, on the more complex, more risky items or orders. And um, you will be more likely to detect the issues. And in the end, it means you will have fewer, uh, fewer issues and, and um, you know, less costly issues for the same budget for appraisal, right? For just mm. checking, uh, trying to de- detect the issues. But also you can actually say, hey, do we really need to spend that much? Maybe, maybe you have a team of five inspectors uh, roaming around, patrolling different uh, different factories working for you. Well, do you really need that many, right? If you optimize things, maybe you reduce your 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 budget maybe by forty percent. Maybe two of them can go, uh, but your risks don't increase in a significant, you know, in a in a marked manner, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to quantify risk, but. Uh, that's the idea. You 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 reduce your your budget, but your the risks don't go over an acceptable amount. Let's say an, an acceptable level. Your your exposure to problems, let's say, um, and the likelihood yeah. that you you get to these problems, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that doesn't go up uh, much. And maybe it's acceptable. Maybe it's acceptable. Right. And again, another trade off, as you've as you've rightly said. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. So, you can keep your the same resources. You can you can reduce your resources, but um, target the risks better. Yeah, that's the idea. Okay, good. So, if you're now thinking, well, all right, I'm interested in optimizing my inspections. Where would you say a buyer or, or the the company involved uh, needs to start by preparing something? What what are they What are they preparing? Well. If you are the company doing the inspections, yeah, obviously you need to have a, a, a proper standard, right? Because otherwise you can't really um, understand and interpret the, the the findings of your inspectors, right? Uh, maybe your standard is too tight, maybe you you haven't documented a standard on certain um, important points, uh, maybe it's too lax, right? You need to really make sure that you have a um, a proper standard, a suitable standard. That's really, really important. Okay, that's really the first thing to say uh, to, to do, I would say. And at the very beginning, again, you start to do inspections, you know, you're not really thinking of optimizing things or making a lot of adjustments. But then once you've done, let's say, five, ten inspections on the same product, hey, you have some examples of issues and you can you can really use it or let's say deviations from from uh, the specs and you can use that to um to to document what is acceptable and not acceptable uh not only in a 
written document, but also in uh, limit samples, right? Um, I think we we wrote an article about uh, boundary samples or limit samples recently. Um, hopefully, we can we can link to it. Yeah. But the idea is, you look at uh, whatever it is, a toothbrush <laughs> mm-hmm. that's produced, and you say, is this the exact color of pink that that is acceptable? Well, there's always going to be a deviation from, let's say, a Pantone code or even a even a golden sample, which, mm-hmm. by the way, might have faded a bit. Uh, but if you have some limits, one a bit darker, one a bit lighter, for example, one a bit more red, one a bit more 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 gray, then you check: is this between the boundaries? If it is, okay, it's in the acceptable area. Boom, you know, done. Um, you don't have an inspector scratching his head and then saying, well, I'm going to take some photos. And then you have someone uh, maybe in, in London or in New York City thinking, oh, 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 this doesn't look like the same color. How to know? Okay, send me some samples. And somebody pays DHL or FedEx uh, to, to, to send um, send a package, which takes time, takes money. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, you say, well, okay, that's okay. I, I approve it. Right. So work on a standard. Try to have a, a good standard that's really going to um, to make the process more objective, easier, less st- stressful for all parties, and it's going to make your job to um, um, make decisions and you know approve uh, a batch much easier. Okay, mm. if let's say it's a mechanical product with some 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 parts that you designed and your your, your designers set some um, so, some measurements, uh, measurement targets with tolerances. Well, that's really a candidate for very close, uh, a very close look. You know, first, when one of your inspectors is spending time checking the product, we or the part, what measurements should they spend more time on? Very often there's, you know, maybe two, three, dimensions that are very important they're critical to quality as we say and maybe the others as long as they look good and as long as the product or the part looks like the approved sample it's fine no need to measure right but maybe you uh, you measure it once maybe in the first article inspection or just once for every batch and it all comes from the same mold and it's really a low risk that there would be discrepancies in tolerances sorry in in dimensions from one part to the other of the same batch so try to think because measurements typically take a lot of time and it's often not very easy to justify that time you know by the 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 value actually in uh, detecting issues right so an inspector you know can just focus on that and gather a lot of measurements and um fill out a wool file and it will look good but in the end it might all be wasted time that's what i mean Mm, yeah okay i I understand and on the other hand that's information that you know we or our inspectors are going to prepare and have ready what about information that we gather from the supplier's side before we start such a initiative here i would say there's two approaches if the number of parts or pieces or products uh, are not going to be, it's not going to be high, it's not going to be a lot of money, then 
you you will rely more on inspection work mostly manual inspection work mm. to to validate you know to, to verify that it's okay to verify that it 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 conforms to the requirements period okay now if the product is going to be made in relatively large numbers if it's very important that the product is up to quality then you have to work on a lot of uh, preventive measures right spend more time spend more resources during product development first to 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 reduce the likelihood of issues and second to make it easier to detect the issues right so these are two separate uh, topics here but let me um, let me cover them each of them quickly first you want to reduce the likelihood of issues well that's why you have engineers look at the design and just review the design and ask some questions uh, you know say well uh, what is this going to be made with you know what and uh, oh, okay plastic injection molded so and you need this one to fit into this one and to fit into this one and the total tolerance has to be uh, whatever point, 0.01 mm uh, of all the tolerances stacked up okay that's not going to work right or uh, or they say well what, what kind of polymer is going to be used here and um what 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 are the, the typical issues here what, what about the um the angles of the walls what about the the thickness of the walls what about this what about that typical defects you know t- typical sources of defects and engineers who look at that and ask these questions can put the finger on an issue so that it can be fixed very fast if it's still at the design stage, right? Mm. So a risk and a review and a risk analysis at the design stage, very important. And then every time there's a prototype, um, have the prototype tested and you, you develop your checklist and your quality plan as you are making the prototypes. And every mm. time you apply your checklist when, you know, checking and testing the prototype, right? And at the same time, you will see, well, um, you will see some issues, right? Uh, you, you will see that um, maybe something is not very easy to test. Maybe the, you know, the result is not really black or white. It's, <laughs> it needs some interpretation. Well, we, we know what's going to happen during mass production, right? It's going to interpret it in the way that uh, it's fine, right? So uh, also you can see that it takes time. Okay, and so that's the second point that I that I mentioned is that you make it easier to detect the issues. Mm, if you yeah. have a mechanical parts and there's I don't know there's four critical to quality uh, dimensions, and you and they are machined by hand or something. There, there's going to be some variation. You know, there's going to be variation. Well. You could simply work with the manufacturer so that they put together a, a checking fixture, you know. So, which means that someone will have the part in their hand and just put it in the in the fixture, crook, 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 see hmm. if it fits, um, you know. And it should be a very clear yes or no, you know. Or it could be a go no go gauge on a simple dimension. Okay, does it? Is it too small to go here and too large to go here? Yes, yes. Okay. So it's between it's within the, the tolerance go, you mm. know. And this is very, very common when you look at large productions, for example, in the automotive industry. Um there, there's other ways to do it, you know. There's um, for example, when 
when they do the PCB assembly for electronic products, well, they, they do the um, uh, automated optical inspection. They, they, you know, they might have to, to program it slightly differently for, for, for different products, but it's, it's very, very standard. They're really used to doing it. And then after that, they will use a functional test rig to actually test the functions and they, you know, they can be required to do that, both the automated optical inspection and the, the using the functional test rig on every single board that, you know, that is good to go, right? And if they do that properly, the right way, what is the likelihood that is going to be issues down the road? Not, you know, not that high. Now, there might be a lot of issues, but hopefully they will catch them. Right. Um, that's that's um, making it easier to detect the issues. And as much right. as possible, you you want to push that up the supply chain. You want to push that to your suppliers. Right. So here my examples were about parts, right? Mechanical mm-hmm. parts, PCBAs. But if you uh, let's say you're an importer and you work with a company that does assembly, uh, assembly, inspection, packing, um, same thing. Same thing. You can um, you can work with them to make sure their work instru- instructions do include the important quality points and uh, and their inspection checklists and, and and so on. And then you can um, you can check the way they actually inspect your product, <laughs> mm. right? And you can work with them hand in hand to define a standard. And in mm. many cases, they should actually have a standard. But what is acceptable or what is not acceptable? I don't know. Let's say you make mobile phones and you don't want to scratch on the body. You're going to have to define what scratch is acceptable and what scratch is not acceptable because the manufacturer is going to say, look, um, give me any perfect product. I take a microscope and I'll find a lot of scratches, right? Or a magnifying glass or something. So, it's never perfect, but you have to get in agreement on uh, on the exact standard. It goes back to setting setting a good standard to reduce confusion and so on, right? Um, so working with suppliers is very, very important. Uh, I, I, I guess that's the key message. And there's a lot more that can be done, but then it goes a bit more into the audits, um, factory audits, you know what? How good are their process controls? How good is their preventive maintenance? Uh, how do they work with their own suppliers and so on and so forth? And that's not uh, exactly like optimizing the product inspections, but no. it is it is um, replacing product inspections by something else, right? By um, instead of checking products and saying, okay, this batch is okay, this batch is not okay, you try to go upstream. Mm. And for that, you need to have a, um, a risk focus. You know, you, you need to think, okay, what are the main risks from historical data, from our experience, from our ob- observations? What are the, the main risks here, right? Mm. And, and you say, okay, so I don't know. We have a, uh, a home appliance with some electronics and there's a, there's an enclosure in plastic. Okay, what could go wrong? You know, maybe the plastic is not good. Well, we're going to make sure we check the first samples of the, the, the tooling 
to validate to, to validate it. It's okay, all right. Um, and then maybe every batch we um, we check one piece, okay, and and that should be enough, right? As I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. What about the electronics? Oh, maybe the number one source of risk is the the some manual soldering, maybe. They uh, they get the PCB boards with some components, but then the assembly people put the, um, the, the the battery and so on on the board, and they do some manual soldering. Well, that is that 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 is a, a very common, very typical source of a lot of function defects and also safety potential potential safety issues in the field, depending on uh, what what could happen short yeah. circuits and things like that on the board. So um, you, you, then in that case, what do you do? Well, you um, <laughs> you try to work on the process controls of this manual soldering operation. Then, okay, well, what are they soldering with? Would it be better if they have a soldering gun with a foot? Okay, so you do a little uh, little improvement. Then you, you say, okay, whenever you solder, you have to keep it, you have to keep the gun on, on on the on the part for three seconds, and mm. you need to do a visual check on the other side of the board to make sure it's properly soldered. You know, and um, you make sure it's translated into work instruction. You make sure that the the local supervisor pays attention to it. Make sure that people do it, and you you have your own people to come and have a look from time to time to check that they actually do it, and that will reduce the likelihood of issues. Maybe by a factor of two, three, five, right? It's not going to bring it to zero, uh, but maybe at one point you push them to buy the equipment to do automated soldering. And then at that point, you need to make sure that they have the right people to do the setup and that they do the preventive maintenance right and so on, because it could mm. actually make things even worse. But if they do all that right, then the number of, uh, let's say the risk goes down by a factor of 10. Yeah, easily. Right. If it's and very well set up and maintained, right? So that that's, you, you move away from inspection of the product into um, looking at the process, the manufacturing process, and also improving the, the, the testing and measurement process. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I get it. And Basically, you put in this work to analyze the processes and and what's actually happening with a focus on risk. And that has a knock on effect on your inspections, because if you ultimately are operating with lower risk, then you can optimize those inspections. Potentially, you could do less or of a less less severity uh, and there may be cost saving involved in that. I guess there might be time saving as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, that's the sort of benefits we're talking about, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Mm. It depends okay. on the situation. Yeah, If you're in a situation where every batch fails and there's a lot of quality issues, well, you want to reinforce your system. Um, but sure. do you put more resources on checking the product, the, the, mm. the products to catch the the defects once they are out there on the product, or do you want to go upstream and actually prevent the issues? I mean, it's going to, that would be much cheaper for all parties in the long run, anyway. Yeah, and at the top of the show, you mentioned that specific kinds of importers might be more interested in this topic. If you're a small buyer with a, a bad relationship with your supplier, mm. <laughs> they will not let you 
put your nose into the way they do their work. Right. I would say that that is a very common issue, especially in China. Some other countries like Vietnam, India can be more receptive as long as they don't feel that you're trying to learn to copy them. Mm. But yeah, in China, the, they don't tend to be very open and transparent. It depends on the suppliers, of course. I'm yeah. generalizing a lot here. Yeah. But um, that's the logical um, logical thing, you know. Do you actually have the weight to um, to push your supplier to make changes or not, right? And right. Um, if not, well, it's going to be either you keep working with the same supplier and you 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 pay inspections mm-hmm. all along, or you switch to another supplier. I mean. Mm-hmm. sometimes you don't have many options no well and switching suppliers you wrote an amazing ebook about that over on agilian technology mm-hmm. our uh, contract manufacturing subsidiary so mm-hmm. i will leave the link to that in the show notes definitely download that if you're listening so i think the the final question i've got here and this is quite related to your point about if you've got the weight to you know mm-hmm. drive a supplier to change is potentially delegating more inspection work to the supplier themselves over time. So that's kind of self-inspections, right, without mm. raising risks. So self-inspections, yes. Without raising risks, um, <laughs> it depends. But it's relatively common, especially for retailers, to ask the suppliers, okay, give me your inspection report. And manufacturers also Manufacturers for their crit- critical parts often request that their suppliers share the inspection reports, mm. right? And well, 98, 99% of the time, it'll be all good, no problem. We'll right. get past. Of course. Go ahead, right? But it kind of forces them to look at their products and and and, and take a little bit of time to, uh, to do an inspection, hopefully, right? So... It, for buyers, it doesn't involve extra cost. Of course, they have to push the suppliers to do it, um, but the suppliers cannot really say, oh, it increases my cost, because then the buyer would say, wait a minute, you mean that you never check the quality before shipping to us? Right. So <laughs> suppliers cannot really use that excuse to raise the cost. Mm. And then if there is an issue found by the buyer, then the buyer can say, hey, uh, how come you did not find it? Maybe we we come and we see the the, the way your your inspector checks the the pro, you know so they can put some extra pressure and the supplier knows that knows that so it tends to make suppliers a bit more careful right so it's not a bad thing you um you need to to push them to to do that and you need to. Maybe give them a bit of training, give them a template to fill out, right? Mm. Um, that's the kind of of efforts from the buyer side that that would uh, would be needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fact that they do their self inspection doesn't mean that you, as the buyer, stop doing inspections. Right now, you might switch to inspections on random batches and keep an element of surprise. And uh, check, you know, if it's a good supplier. Now, obviously, you want to do that mostly with good suppliers, right? Yeah. Good suppliers, and you buy 
a certain amount of, uh, of uh, so you give them a certain amount of business, right? So you have some weight over them. If it's a good supplier, maybe you say, well, stop sending our inspectors all the time. Uh, maybe we'll do it only 50% of the time from now on, and then we'll adjust again next year. But you have to give this to us for every batch. Uh, like, you know, as soon as production is complete, you send that over to us. And then from time to time, yeah, we'll, we'll have our inspectors come and double check. Mm. You will not know from the start, right? So, yeah, that... Um, uh, that works again. It doesn't cost much more on the buyer's side. And then, before Chinese New Year, <laughs> you should still get back to checking everything yeah. you can uh, for for reasons we covered before. The uh, the risk of inconsistent quality goes up exponentially just before and also after Chinese New Year in some factories. So, yeah, that's the idea. So you save money on the good suppliers by sending your inspectors less often and maybe um, checking less in depth. But then what do you do? Do you reduce your resources for uh, quality management or do you put more resources where it's needed? You know, maybe you hire a couple of uh, quality engineers who go around, uh, supplier quality engineers, who go around and look at the issues and, and uh, put some pressure on the suppliers so they improve their processes and their systems mm. right? and and uh, and do all the preventive work that we mentioned before yeah that, that makes sense because in the long run then hopefully some of the suppliers that are not so good right now become better and and, and then you switch to self-inspection and then you spend less on uh, checking them up yeah that's, that's better for everyone smart, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. What's not to like? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the virtual cycle where you you reallocate your, your, your budget and in the long run you have you can have better results with a lower budget. Nice. Um that's what that's what we were talking about. So yeah, at the top of the show, we were talking about optimizing QC inspections and getting better results. Those are some of the results which uh, which you can expect. And actually interesting that it, this wasn't all about the inspections themselves. Rather, you did talk about, you know, process improvements and things like that, um, which has such an impact on the quality. And then the knock-on impact is on the the requirement for inspections. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really interesting uh, part of what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Great, yes. Okay. Well, that was the end of this episode. Some interesting resources going to be in the show notes Renault, bon voyage for your trip back to Hong Kong next time. Yeah, thanks, yes. Next yeah. time you're on the um, podcast, you'll be back in Asia. And um, right. yeah, this was actually quite related to what Andrew was talking about on last week's episode 118 as well, about reducing the risks of uh, product returns, which again, mm. very related to quality and some of the preventive measures you've spoken about quite related to that episode so if you didn't catch that episode last week definitely go check it out too yeah absolutely absolutely great thanks for now thanks to all the listeners and yeah we'll catch you all soon yeah thanks and uh, you will hear from us next uh, next week as usual absolutely (laughs) thanks a lot thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the sophie's group we're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in asia including inspections, 
auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.